Greetings in Christ Jesus, and welcome again to the Twin Steeples podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined today by Pastor Neil Radical. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. Blessed Holy Week to you today, Pastor Radical. And to you, Pastor Nauman. Thank you. We're looking forward to the many uh, opportunities for worship this week, and uh, glad you're taking time to listen into this podcast and tune in with some of the uh, important updates and devotions that we'll be discussing today. Uh, today, I'd like to open with a, a devotion based on a couple different verses from John, um, starting in John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. John 10 is the Good Shepherd chapter, and here Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, Therefore, my Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. You know, the idea of time of grace, we tie in a lot with the fifth commandment, which is uh, someone's time of grace is a gift given to them by God. And that's why to murder someone or to end someone's life is a uh, uh, such a horrible sin because you're taking away time that God had intended for that person to have. Um, and God's the one who controls how long we live and when our last hour comes and when he's ready to take us to heaven. And for mankind to take that power himself rather than allow God to uh, uh, be in command of those things is, is a violation of God and his will and therefore a commandment that God gives to us. But when it comes to Jesus, Jesus, of course, is not a human being like you and I. And so when we talk about Jesus going to the cross and, and suffering and dying, um, we should not think of it in the same way that, that we would think of any other criminal who went to the cross and suffered and died. In those cases, the Roman Empire took away the power of that individual to continue living and ended their life uh, forcefully. But what we see in the case of Jesus is not a taking of his life but we see a giving of his life and that's a very important distinction that that jesus lays out for us here in john chapter 10 because jesus gave his life it was not as though it was taken away from him it was a giving at any point you know and this is the point jesus makes here he says i have the power to lay it down i have the i have the power to take it up again at any point he had the power to say enough of this stop we're gonna we're not doing this anymore and he could have uh you know, the, the crowds at the cross were mocking him. And, you know, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross and then we'll believe you. And the, the robbers, both of them at first were mocking him, saying the same thing. Take us, save yourself and save us too. Um, and at any point, Jesus could have come down from the cross and blasted the Roman soldiers and ended this this silly uh, uh, show of power by the, the Jews and the, and the Romans. But Jesus gave it up. He gave his own life. He's the only one because he is God. He's the only one who has the power to lay down his own life. And this is where it ties in with John 19 now, where Jesus is on the cross and he is, his life is ending. Uh, and it says in John 19, 30, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It was not, it was taken from him. And you can, you know, you can read through that and maybe not catch the nuance there, but it's, he gave up his spirit. He gave his life. It's something that Jesus did for us. He gave it up. It was not taken from him. It was given. This is the command that, that God gave him to go and give his life. And, you know, you think of uh, later on in the, during that day, that, that first Good Friday, uh, uh, they went to go ask for, for Jesus's body. 
and Pilate was surprised that Jesus was even dead yet. And we can, uh, we can say, well, think about all he went through and the flogging and all that other stuff. But ultimately, Jesus died when Jesus wanted to die. <laughs> uh, Jesus gave his life in the moment he wanted to give his life. And when it was over and when the price was fully paid for our sins, he gave up his life. He bowed his head. He gave up his spirit. And the beautiful thing that we continue to look forward to during this Holy Week is not only does Jesus have the power to lay it down, but he also has the power to take it up again. And that's what we're going to see this coming Easter when Jesus uh, is raised from the dead. And, and that's another thing that, you know, we talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus resurrection and how God raised him from the dead. But here Jesus is also clearly saying he raised himself from the dead as well. Um, so it's not just God, the father's action, but also his own power to, to raise himself from the dead and to ultimately uh, command victory over our worst enemies, sin, death, and the devil. So this kind of came up this last weekend in Bible class. We were doing the crucifixion of Jesus. We were talking about how Jesus lays down his own life. And I kind of made this point and a couple of people commented that they hadn't quite caught that nuance before. I thought it was a good thing to, to kind of highlight today. Any thoughts on, on that, Pastor? Yeah, just, just one supplementary point for each verse there. One, I love everything you said about John 10 and what Jesus laying down his life and has the power to take it up again. It reminds me of the centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant. And he gives that wonderful description where he just talks about, I'm a man under authority. When I say this, they do it. And same thing too, is Jesus always being submissive to his father's will. He had the authority. You mentioned that, you know, he was unlike us according to his divine nature, not according to his human nature. He was just like us in that way, but without sin. But he had this authority to lay it his life down because God had given that authority to do that for us in our work of redemption. And so I just love how that, that, that whole section from John 10, 17 through 18 shows that authority that Jesus had over his life and what that life was going to be as that sacrificial price for us. And then with the second part with John 19, that, that idea of bowing his head and giving up the spirit, I think it just kind of reiterates that authority again and that, yeah, this is exactly what he had come to plan to do and, and carrying out that divine will from his father in heaven to redeem the world from its sin. I just, I like the way you explain it. I like thinking about the centurion saying, yeah, this is exactly what uh, authority and commanding does. And that command that he has received from his father, he carried out on the cross when he said it is finished. It's pretty amazing. And that's kind of the, the, message of the cross which is foolishness because the cross looks like weakness outwardly it outwardly looks like weakness it looks like jesus failed in his mission the jews finally caught up to him the romans put him to death that's what it looks like outwardly but when we know from god's word and what by faith we believe is that this this thing that looks like weakness is actually victory this thing that looks like defeat is actually uh how god chose to win salvation for us and that's it's so it's so beautiful when you think about it like that is, is from the, from the jaws of, of death and through death, Christ destroyed death. And because of that, now we have eternal life. Beautiful. All right, let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving up your life, for coming to this world and for allowing yourself to be uh, mocked and beaten, to be nailed to the cross, to suffer the eternal punishment of hell. You did all these things willingly giving yourself uh, because this was the command from your father and because of the, your great love for all human beings. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this wonderful truth. And as we meditate on these truths throughout the coming Holy Week, we pray that you would bless us and help us to trust in you more and more today and every day. We pray all these things in your name and we 
pray that you would give us strength. Amen. All right, a number of uh, updates. Just want to highlight the rest, remainder of the uh, uh, worship schedule this week. Uh, this podcast comes out around noon today on March 31st, 2021. Uh, tomorrow is Monday, Thursday, April 1st. Uh, we'll be having a Monday, Thursday evening service at 6 p.m. That will be a communion service. We'll be having service on Good Friday then, uh, also at 6 p.m. So once again, there was no 1 p.m. services. We've done those in the past. This year, we're not doing those. Only the one, only six o'clock service on Thursday, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Uh, Monday, Thursday is communion. Good Friday is not. Both of those services will be live streamed, uh, so you'll be able to watch those either live or or later on as they're posted on our YouTube page. This coming weekend, uh, we'll have regular uh, services for our Easter weekend, 6 p.m. on Saturday evening, uh, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. We we'll also have a special. Easter sunrise service, which will take place at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. You're welcome to join us for all of those. Uh, um, please uh, make sure you take time to, to uh, meditate and, and rejoice in the, the work of Jesus and his glorious resurrection as well. Um, as far as communion pickup, for those who are not attending in person for Monday, Thursday, or Easter weekend, the pickup is this week, uh, tonight, Wednesday night, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Also tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So again, tonight, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, if you need additional time to pick those up or those don't work for you, please get a hold of myself or Pastor Radical. We can arrange something for you. Uh, and one final reminder, we are still under the mask mandate and services, and we ask that all people please respect those mandates and uh, uh, use the mask for the worship service. A couple teacher calls to uh, keep continue keeping our prayers. Mr. Eric Libby is still considering the high school call we have issued to him for uh, Emmanuel Lutheran School here. So please pray that he would uh, do according to the Lord's will. Uh, Mr. Matthew Kranz also uh, has received another call. I uh, returned the call to Emmanuel Winterhaven, Florida. And the same day he got a call from Messiah Lutheran in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, so he's now considering that call, whether the Lord would lead him there as well. Prayer list for today. Uh, we continue to pray for Tony Schaumann, who is recovering from uh, car accident knee surgeries. Uh, we continue to pray for Marie Meyer, who's dealing with cancer at our sister congregation in Red Wing. That would again be the sister to Mrs. Grace Schreier. And finally, we pray for Lori Bren. This will be Carla Omanson's sister, uh, who is dealing with a uh, brain cancer uh, tumor as well. So we pray for all these individuals and pray the Lord will continue to bless them and, and help them to meditate on him during this holy week as well. Which brings us to our doctrine of the day. Pastor Radical had a neat idea for a few things for us to discuss today. Pastor, you want to introduce these for us? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to entitle this Holy Week Hangups, and these are the kind of th questions that I think, I don't know about you, but I get at least once of these every year, and maybe you get these from people that you're talking to, hopefully as you're sharing your faith and telling people why this week is so important and special. It's not just like any other week. It's a week to reflect on what our Savior did for us during this last week of his earthly life before he death on the, died on the cross and rose from the dead. Easter Sunday. So we got four hangups here. There's certainly more, but there's four that we thought we'd talk about today. And the first one is Silent Wednesday. So what I mean by that is that there's people that say, well, nothing is recorded of Jesus on this day. So did Jesus just take a break? Did he go on like some kind of siesta? Why does it seem like there's nothing recorded on Wednesday? And as we've been going through this harmony, Pastor Nominans, you know that I'm very interested in the Holy Week harmony and really 
like to know the details of how the order of things took place. I just thought I would mention to you what part of the research I've done and some of the notes I've had says about Wednesday and not being silent Wednesday, in, in my opinion. According to some of the harmonies of the Gospels, all the events recorded took place on Tuesday with nothing said about Wednesday. So presumably Jesus rested in Bethany on that day. Personally, right there, I don't feel like that's the character we see in our Lord as him resting during this last week with the day coming. None of anything else that he's done during this week so far has given the indication that he is taking a break. I know according to his human flesh, he would need to rest as we see him do in the boat and other places needing to sleep. But I don't see him taking a whole day off during that final very, very important week as far as entering into Jerusalem. So instead of overcrowding Tuesday, there's others who adopt an alter alternative Moffat and other New Testament scholars talk about the language of Matthew 22 and 41 and Mark 12, 35, suggesting an occurrence basically of an interval after Tuesday's discussion about the greatest commandment. And then if that's the case, Jesus probably concluded his final ministry in Jerusalem on Wednesday morning with the events recorded here, which would make sense. So Thursday morning, he sends his disciples in to prepare for the Passover meal, preparations for that. And so, uh, yeah, I would say he's very busy on Wednesday, still teaching as scripture indicates that he was in the temple daily teaching them. And again, he was there Thursday afternoon, evening, celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples too. I don't know if you have any comments on the silent Wednesday. I kind of went off on a tangent there real quickly. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think, I think, uh, you know, either way you look at that, I mean, it, it, it seems like no matter what Jesus did, we know he was perfect. And if Jesus needed to take a day off to prep for the important work coming up Thursday, Friday, you know, God took a day off after he created the earth. So I don't think we can blame Jesus for doing that. Um, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and if he was busy, which, you know, I'm sure he was busy throughout, that makes sense too. So, you know, a lot of these, I pre I really do appreciate all, a lot of the work you put in here for this Holy Week harmony that we're going through this year. And it's, uh, it's challenging because, you know, all four of the gospels, none of them are, are completely, uh, uh, straightforward in terms of chronological order um, some of them are more chronological than others and so piecing it all together and it's, it's a lot of work and you can see just the those of you who have the the sheet at home it's 40 what 48 pages or something like that and you know it's a lot of a lot of stuff to get through and um, so trying to sort all that out a lot of work so thank you for that well just a quick comment to that too I, I like the way you said that because it could be either way on Wednesday obviously I'm, I'm slanted to think he was there's more recorded on Wednesday than that, but I like the fact that you're indicating it's it's one of those open questions. We don't really know for sure. We have a, a guess, but like you said so well, if God rests on the seventh day, then he could rest on Wednesday too. So I like the way you respond to that. Okay, so another one we have here is Holy Week hangups. We have the inscription on the cross. I know you talked about this a little bit in Bible class this past weekend, and and we've talked about it in, in some of our sermons at times, but Inscription on the cross, there's three languages there. So a little bit of the hang-up is in Mark 15, 26, there's this partial inscription. And so skeptics of the Bible are those who are just confused by the gospel accounts. All four gospel accounts list the inscription. But Mark, and it looks like Luke as well, also mention a little bit, like not the full inscription. In other words, the inscription says, we know that Pilate had wrote this is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That's the full inscription that we get from all four harmony gospels. But some will say, okay, well, Mark only says, this is the King of the Jews. 
So do you have any way of kind of rectifying that hang up where people says, oh, see, the Bible's not perfect. It's not inspired. They're not recording the same thing. Yeah, what you need to remember is that we see this from all these guys are writing from a different perspective, and some of them are more focused on certain aspects of the of the the of what took place because of the both their where they were in their writing and also uh, who they are writing to. Um, so, yeah, we see in Mark this uh, it says, and the inscription of his accusation was written above the King of the Jews, and in other places we see Luke twenty three writes. This is the king of the Jews. John writes, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And you'd look at all these and say, well, look, they're all different. So clearly the Bible doesn't agree with itself. And, you know, there's other things like this in scripture, like uh, Jesus going through Jericho at one point and he heals in one account. In one gospel, he's, he's healing a, a blind man. And in the other gospel, he's healing two blind men. And you'd say, okay, look, there's a problem there. But really what what the one gospel is doing is just focusing on one one of those blind men. And the other gospel is giving a, a more fuller ass fuller account of uh the complete what took place and so um you know to say that just because this says a partial and the other one's full <clears throat> i wouldn't i wouldn't say that that's reason to doubt it um identifying jesus as jesus of nazareth was one purpose of the inscription and the other purpose was to give the accusation and the accusation was he was the king of the jews and that's what mark says there the accusation is the king of the jews um which you know i talked about this a lot this weekend in bible class but you know, this was a, a jab from Pilate to the Jews, uh, mocking them for this being their king. And of course, they wanted it taken down. <laughs> they wanted a different, they said, make it say, he said he is the king of the Jews. But Pilate just said, uh, no, I've had enough of you guys today. <laughs> leave it alone. I wrote what I wrote. And uh, so they said, just, just leave that alone. So in conclusion, I guess to this, you know, there's lots of people who would like you to doubt the Bible because of little inconsistencies they would say like this but really the king of the jews is what it said it said the king of the jews it marks just not including the whole point because his point in that verse is say what the accusation was which is that he is the king of the jews i feel like if you and i just talked about bible class from this past weekend and gave our own perspective of how that discussion went we're going to both emphasize and focus on different details or different questions about it to give someone a recount of what happened and what took place and what was what was who was all there what was said and done so yeah good description there all right two more uh another one that's really really popular which i know you've gotten and i've gotten in the last week or so how about the bible very clearly says that jesus would spend three days and three nights in the grave in fact jesus himself indicates that no sign would be given except for the sign of jonah as jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth so the skeptic or the critic or the person that wants to know a little bit more about what Jesus meant by that three times 24 doesn't mathematically work because we know Jesus died and was buried Friday afternoon, probably between three and 6 PM. So, and if he rose Sunday morning, that's obviously not the what's, you know, the, the three 24 hour days there. So I think, I think um, one explanation to understand with this is just, the Jewish expression of days and nights are a lot different than what we would say in English. And so they counted their days and nights. You know, we talk about the Sabbath or the Passover meal and you know, say they counted the evening as the night as the next day. So in other words, even though we might say the three days and three nights have to be 24 hours, they would count those days differently. I think the easiest explanation for this is 
Friday was counted as a whole, as a day, even though it was a partial day. Saturday was counted as a day and Sunday was counted as a day, even though it was a partial day. So that would be in line with Jewish expressionism. And there's interesting, I, I found in some of the research I was doing with some of these questions is that in 1 Samuel 30, verse 12, we see the account of David finding this Egyptian who is a servant of Amalekite, Amalekite and they gave him food and he had that strength for three days and three nights. That was the expression, but the idea is there that it wasn't a full three days and three nights, but they counted it as three days and three nights. So again, it's a, it's a Jewish expression. That's how I would normally understand this is how they counted days and nights. But even if we use our English expression, we can use partial days to count a day. If I say I'm going on vacation in, in three days, um, I don't have to count 24 hour periods. I can count you know, the, the evening or the morning or whenever I leave from when I am in the course of the time today. That was a little bit longer explanation than I think was needed, but do you have another way of saying that or? Yeah, I mean, the, the way the Jews thought about, they thought about it going back to Genesis 1, right? The evening and the morning were the first day. So for Jews, 6 p.m. is actually the start of the next day, which is weird for us to think about because we always think of midnight as the start of the next day. So when he died before... 6 p.m. on on Friday, he you know he died at three three, um, and so at some point in there they got him buried because they wanted to get it done before the day of preparation, um, uh, for the Sabbath, and so they wanted to get they wanted to get him in in the in the ground before 6 p.m. Basically was their goal, and you know, assume it, presumably they accomplished that. So he died Friday, and then you know from 6 p.m. Friday night, or what we would figure, to 6 p.m. Saturday night. And then you got your three days there, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Jews, yeah, they just think about things differently than we do. And they actually do the same thing for years when they count years. Any part of a year is, can be a year. <laughs> so let's say something like uh, Paul spent three years in Ephesus. Well, that could have been almost four years, you know, or it could have been like a year and two days on either end, you know, yeah. uh, and, and there's just no way to know exactly what, uh, they mean by those things unless you actually are there and know what it's talking about the last one here then we are looking at is appearances after the resurrection i think this kind of goes back to the inscription on the cross discussion where matthew 28 doesn't say that jesus appeared to his disciples in jerusalem and so matthew again is silent on the location so some skeptics of the bible or some of those question would say well the the bible doesn't match up between the gospel accounts the appearances of Jesus to his disciples after the resurrection are inaccurate and they don't, they don't support each other since Matthew 28 doesn't say that he appeared to them in Jerusalem. It sounds like he appeared to them maybe somewhere else, if at all. And so it kind of goes back to some of the things that you said with the inscription on the cross, I thought very well with just because Matthew 28 doesn't say that he appeared to them in Jerusalem, just because he sat on, on that location doesn't mean that it's a, the focus of what he was reporting on. And so I think we could talk about more about who he appeared to or the, the different theories on if he really died or not. We spent some time in our podcast not too long ago discussing some of those different theories of the resurrection. And so, again, I think the appearances after the resurrection, do you have any comments on how people challenge you or question you on those thoughts? Well, I think, I mean, we got 40 days, right? So, I mean, Matthew didn't necessarily just zoom in on that that first Easter day. You know, he could have been focusing on any part of that uh, 
40 days after the after the resurrection before his ascension and you know by the end you know the the of course the great commission go there for me disciples all nations um you know that's that likely took place more towards the end of the 40 days i would imagine um because that's when jesus was about to leave and that's his great commission for them and for us as well some of the main holy week hang-ups that you might hear or have yourself as you go through the harmony of the gospel but that's why like Pastor Nauman said, it's important for us to go through the harmony to get a full detailed account of what took place with our Lord and how all those things were meant for our soul salvation and meant for our instruction in righteousness. So as we conclude here today, we're going to be looking at hymn 159, Go to Dark Gethsemane, and really focus in on verse 3, because I think that fits well with our devotion when Pastor Nauman talked about Jesus saying from the cross, it is finished, and what that means for our redemption and for our eternal life in heaven forever. Go to dark Gethsemane, ye that feel the tempter's power, your Redeemer's conflict see, watch with him one bitter hour. Turn not from his griefs away, learn of Jesus Christ to pray. Follow to the judgment hall, view the Lord of life arraigned. Oh, the wormwood and the gall, Oh, the pangs his soul sustained. Shun not suffering, shame, or loss. Learn of him to bear the cross. Calvary's mournful mountain climb, there, adoring at his feet. Mark that miracle of time, God's own sacrifice complete. It is finished. Hear him cry. Learn of Jesus Christ to die. Early hasten to the tomb where they laid his breathless clay. All is solitude and gloom. Who hath taken him away? Christ is risen. He meets our eyes. Savior, teach us so to rise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Until next time, we pray that God would bless and keep you. And may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.